Well, this morning's going to be a good morning. We, before I get into the message, I have just a little bit of uh, family news to share with you. So a number of years ago, I had a person that I referred to as my answer to prayer. Do you know who that person is, anybody? That person was John Wallace, because we were looking for a worship leader a number of years ago. And uh, I've known John since he was a little kid. I've been in youth group with him for I don't know how many years. Uh, John has always been a worshiper. He's always been a worship leader. And you know, I've always prayed the best for for everyone that that comes uh, here to Shiloh, but especially for the Shiloh staff. And John has recently felt a stirring. We've been praying together for months, it seems, right? Every Thursday, the staff gets together, we pray. And and John's been asking God for his leading, and, uh, and he's decided to take a job outside of Shiloh. It's, it's not worship leading. It's just a, a job. He'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, but knowing John's heart as a worship leader, John's not going anywhere. You're still going to see him leading worship, maybe not every Sunday. Well, maybe, I mean, but uh, you can only hope. He won't get paid for it if he's up here every Sunday. But um, he's still going to be leading worship. But I, I just want John to give John a chance to share. This is not his last Sunday. It's going to be next Sunday. But I wanted you to hear it before it started. the word started to get out. And you might have heard it from someone else. Hear it from John. So tell us a little bit about what's going on yeah, in your life, I mean, John. Yeah, really, uh, Manchester Christian just made a better offer. So, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. It's actually called the one church. <laughs> one so, <yeah>. church. <laughs> Excuse, me. Excuse me. One church. Um, no, but yeah, like Greg was saying, uh, just many months in prayer and just to see what God has next for us. I just tend to, to live very open-handed with seasons. And um, a company actually reached out to me kind of very out of the blue and um, just offered a job that was like very tailor-made to, to my skill set, and it just felt like a really a God thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Abby and I began to pray um, if, if this was a good opportunity and just felt just a really overwhelming sense of peace about it. So um, I accepted that role, um, and it does mean that I'll, I'll be stepping down here. But um, as Greg said, yeah, I'll, we'll, there'll be plenty of, uh, of long transition. The job is local, so we're not moving. Um, so I'll still be here on the team, just more in a regular volunteer capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, so um, we're going to be working over the next number of weeks. John's going to be working with the worship team, putting a, a plan in place for how we're going to move forward in this interim basis. Um, we're actually not going to pray for John today. Many of you say, well, why aren't you going to pray for John today? Because, you know, we want to pray for John. We want to pray for the rest of the worship team as we settle on this plan. And we're going to do that in about a month's time. So we'll be giving you an update uh, probably mid-September. And we'll pray for John then. But anyway, let's give it up for John. Who loves John? Yes. All right, so it's the most awkward transition to go from that into the message, but I'm going to do it anyway. So here we go. Would you put the slides up? We've been in a series called Jesus Revealed. And you might say, wait a minute. It's been a couple of weeks since we talked about Jesus Revealed. Are we still in that series? We are. It's just summertime and people are coming and going. So, you know, we've had some messages on this and interspersed others uh, in there. But this is a series where we're looking at Scripture through the lens of Jesus. I don't see anything on the back screen, if you could get it to work up there too. We're looking through the lens of Jesus, and it's, it's amazing when you look at the Old Testament and you look at what you're seeing through the lens of Jesus, you start to see, you know, God was telling his, his people about what he was going to do way, way, way before Jesus came. It, it's, and that's what we mean by Jesus is revealed. Um, so as, as we're doing that, 
Uh, Ed started us off the series. If, if you don't remember, you can find all these messages on the website. He started off talking about Adam and how Adam foreshadowed who Jesus was. And then Steve talked about Noah and how Noah looked to Jesus. And um, Kevin talked about Abraham and Isaac. So in this, in this whole theme of Jesus revealed, I thought, I'm not going to just tell you the title of the message. I'm going to have the title of the message revealed. Huh? How about that? So have you ever watched Wheel of Fortune on TV? Right, and you know how they have to, you know, get some consonants and they buy vowels. Well, I'm not going to make you pay for anything, but I'm only going to give you one consonant and one vowel. So I'm giving you A and B, and now you've got to tell me the title of my message. All right. Now, do you want to know what you're playing for? I know I'm mixing metaphors, Wheel of Fortune and Survivor, but I got two gift cards up here. I got a Dunks gift card and I got a Starbucks gift card. So don't yell out the answer. Then, then the game's over if you yell out the answer. You've got to raise your hand, and if there's a lot of hands that go up, I guess I'm going to pick my favorite or my least favorite or, or whatever you want me to pick. Um, and if that person gets the right answer, then they get the gift card. So for the title of my message, here we go. If you understand what it is, then raise your hand. It's a phrase, of course. Oh, I see that hand. Uh, no, not quite. There's some words on the top you missed. Yes, I see that hand. Nope. Someone else. Think back to what Kevin preached on the other week when he was here. I see a hand. Yes, he got it. He got it. The God of it. Which do you like, Dunks or Starbucks? Come on up. You want dunks? All right, here you go. So I have another one. Maybe I'll be giving this out later. I don't know. Or maybe I'll just have to put it back in the file cabinet. But, um, so Kevin talked about the God of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, he talked about Abraham and Isaac. Today we're going to be talking about Jacob. And you know what? When we look at the life of Jacob, there's so much to cover, right? So to do it justice, I'm going to have to narrow it down a little bit, right? And we're going to be looking at some of the life of Jacob just in terms of the cliff notes. And then two experiences Jacob had where God really encountered him. Those are the ones we're going to be diving into this morning. Um, So let's get started. And I'm going to start with some cliff notes on the life of Jacob. The first picture is, did you know that Jacob was a twin? He had a twin brother named Esau. Esau came out first. Esau was hairy. Jacob was fair. Um, Now... Are are Jacob and Esau identical twins or fraternal twins? Fraternal twins, very good. Now, I have a twin sister. Maybe you didn't know that. I cannot even tell you how many times people said, oh, you have a twin sister? Are you identical? And I'd be like, "Uh, that's kind of hard to do. You know, it's kind of hard to do. But anyway, little known fact, I actually have brothers five years older than me. And I say brothers because I have brothers that are twins. Um, So two brothers, five years older, just a couple minutes apart, and they're fraternal twins. So very familiar with this whole twin thing. Um, I was actually the second born. I like to say that my sister, I was a gentleman and let her come out before me. (laughs) But the truth is, I usually say then next that she was sitting on my head and I had no choice, right? So she was the first one out. But Esau comes out first and Jacob is second. Um, They're fraternal twins. Now, did you know this, that Rebecca had a really hard time bearing children. She was unable to conceive, and Isaac cried out to God for help, and it was nearly 20 years 
before, the, by the grace of God, Rebecca becomes pregnant with these kids. But even while she's pregnant, and moms, you know this best. I've only watched it, you know, from, from a distance here. You can feel the baby moving as, as they get older. And these twins, they're not just moving, like they're fighting inside of her belly. And she, to the point where Rebecca cries out to God and says, God, what's going on? Like, was it what I ate? Like, these kids, they're just torturing me. And God says this. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided, and one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Right? So God tells Rebecca this before her kids are even born. She understands what's going on. So now we get to the second picture. They've grown up. Esau is, you know, the man's man. He's the outdoorsman. He's a hunter. Jacob, you know, he likes to stay home. He likes to be quiet. He likes to read books. Maybe. I don't know. Um, But... Uh, I'm sorry, I said, I said Jacob. Um, it's Esau, yeah, Esau and Jacob. But Isaac, the dad, guess which one he likes. Now, parents, you shouldn't have a favorite, but if there was a favorite, Jacob's favorite was Esau, or Isaac's favorite was Esau. And the reason why he liked Esau better was because he liked the food, the game that, that Esau would, would bring home. He liked it cooked, and he was just very grateful to Esau that he was an outdoorsman. Jacob, you know, like, I love you, Jacob, but you're always around the house doing nothing. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So we go from there now to the third picture. There's a time when Esau comes back from hunting. I don't know how many days he was in the bush, and he is starving to the point he feels like he's going to die. So Jacob's making a stew, and he's like, brother, give me some of your stew. And Jacob goes, Yep, I'll give you some, but you got to sell me your birthright. And Esau's like, you want my birthright? What? No, if you want some stew, give me your birthright. So Esau goes, what good, what good is my birthright going to be if I die? You can have my birthright. Just give me some stew. So Jacob gives him the stew and, and takes away his birthright from, from Esau. This is a blessing that, that Esau would have um, from their dad. So now we get to the last picture. Jacob, uh, I keep saying Jacob, sorry. Isaac is dying, right? He's the, the guy with the white beard. And then you see Jacob coming to him because Isaac told his son Esau, Esau, I'm, I'm dying. I want to bless you as my firstborn son. So go out and catch me some game. And when you've caught it, come back, prepare my favorite dish, come in, bring it to me. And after I eat it, then I'm going to bless you. So this is what we find. Crazy, crazy story going on. But, but what's, what's in play here is for Jacob to succeed as the patriarch of the family, which God already had told Rebecca, right? The, the older is going to serve the younger. God had told her this. There's the birthright that's bestowed on the older brother. Jacob had already, you know, taken that away from Esau. Esau gave it up because he was so hungry, kind of dumb to do that. But then there's also the blessing of the firstborn, which, of course, who's the firstborn? It's Esau. How, how is Jacob going to get that blessing? Well, Rebecca hears Isaac say this, and she says to Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare delicious food that I may eat and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you'll, you should bring them to your father to eat so that he blesses you before he dies. So Rebecca's concocting this, like, what is going on right now? Like, deception. I mean, this should be a, a soap opera, right, for what's going on and, and the deception and the lies. But she tells Jacob to do this. He does it. And, and you can see Jacob's got some, some lambskin on his, 
on his arms because he knows that he's not hairy and Esau is and his dad's probably going to touch his arms. And oh my gosh, what if dad finds out that I'm really not Esau, I'm Jacob. He's going to curse me instead of bless me. So they, they give him a disguise. They put on some of Esau's clothes so he smells like the outdoors and they trick Isaac and, and Jacob gets the blessing and, and Esau doesn't get the blessing. So I look at all this and I'm like, how can this be good? Right? We've got deception. We've got lies. How can this be good? But this is what we find in Romans. And it's amazing to me that like, there's a parallel going on here. Romans 9, 10 to 16 says this. This son was our ancestor Isaac. And when he married Rebekah, she gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything, good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to his own purposes and he calls people but not according to their good or bad works. And she was told, your, young, your older son will serve your younger son. And in the words of the scriptures, I love Jacob, but I rejected Esau. Are we saying then that God was unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So it's God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. And there's something really important to see in the life of Jacob that God is the one that chose Jacob. I don't know why he chose Jacob. I look at Jacob and like, God, couldn't you have chosen someone a little more godly? Like maybe a truth teller would have been good. Someone with character. But God, see, he was looking at Jacob, not for who Jacob was in the moment, but for who Jacob was going to be. And God, sometimes he sees us in a way that we can't even see ourselves. And he says, all right, I I know that you're struggling right now. But did you know 30 years from now what you're going to become? Like, I see that. And I'm speaking blessing over you. If you could just get a hold of the picture and the vision that I have for you and what I'm going to do in your life, it would be amazing. That's how God looked at Jacob We look at Jacob and it's like, he's a jerk. I want to judge him. I don't think he's worthy to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But God chose him. And you know, sometimes I look at scripture and I'm like, this doesn't seem any more fair to me than the story where, you know, the workers came and they were working for the master and he hired some of them at nine in the morning and promised them a wage. He hired some at 12 noon, promised them a wage, hired some at 5 p.m., promised them a wage. He gives the 5 p.m., let's say he gives them 10 bucks is the wage. So the people that started at 12 noon, he gives them 10 bucks. The people that started at 9 in the morning, he still gives them 10 bucks. And the people that started at 9 go, how can this be fair? Like, they've only worked a half an hour and you gave them 10 bucks, we've worked all day. And the master says to these guys, like, hey, like, I promised you 10 bucks. You worked the day for 10 bucks. That was our agreement. I'm not doing anything wrong. I can do what I want. And see, sometimes as human beings, we don't understand God. That's a, that's a given. But we want to tell God what he should do. We want to counsel him like, God, I know, I'm the, I know I'm the clay. I know you're the potter. But let me tell you how things would work. If you fashion me this way and you fashion my brother this way, who are we as the clay to tell the potter anything? And, and this is what we see happening in Romans. God is trying to get a message across to all of his people that, hey, I, I have mercy on who I have mercy. I choose on who I choose. He said he rejected Esau, but actually Esau became a nation. God didn't reject him. It's just that he wasn't going to have the firstborn blessing. So what might God be saying to you and I about all this? Right? God has chosen each one here. 
And God desires none of us would perish, but all of us would have eternal life. So some of you may think, you know what, I'm not as, I'm not as favored as my brother or my sister. But yet God looks at each one of us as precious in his sight. So much that he sent his son to die on the cross for each of us that we might have life. So now, now we get to that first major encounter where Jacob has an experience with God. And we call this Jacob's ladder, right? So this is after Jacob deceives his brother. He deceives his father. Um, Esau is not happy, as you can imagine. And he said threats out loud. Hey, when dad dies, I'm coming for you, brother. Right? You're not going to be long on this earth. He threatens his life and says he's going to kill his brother as soon as their dad is dead. Rebecca comes up with another, another wonderful idea. Hey, you know what? Like Jacob, we've always wanted you to get married. I'm going to send you to my brother Laban in a far distant land and you go pick a wife from our kin. And Jacob's like, I'm out of here, right? This is my chance to get out of Dodge, so hopefully I don't, I don't get killed by my brother. So he starts a 500-mile journey. And it says in Genesis 28, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a place and stayed there for a night, and he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Isn't that amazing to have a dream like that? And God stood above the ladder and spoke to Jacob, confirming his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob, and told him he would give him, make him a numerous people, and, a, and he would give him a land, and all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. And God also said, Jacob, I'm with you. I'll protect you. One day, I'll bring you back to this land, and I'll not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I've promised to you. Isn't that an amazing word that God gave Jacob? Like, did Jacob deserve a word like that? Not in my mind, but like, I don't deserve what God has given me either. You don't deserve what God, none of us deserve the love of God. So who am I to judge Jacob? Why don't I just judge myself, right? Some, sometimes I find it's so easy. I'm like, God, I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life. But God, why don't you work on that person a little bit more? They're bothering me. Well, no, see, Jacob comes He's who he is, but God sees who he's going to become more than who he is. And he has this encounter. So what does this mean, the ladder? What's the significance of it, right? When, when it's said to him, I tell you the truth, you'll see heaven open up and the angels going up and down. The son of man, the one who's a stare between heaven and earth. This is what Jesus said of himself. That there was going to be angels coming up and down. You know who's the ladder? That's Jesus. So Jacob's dream that he had was already pointing that there was going to be someone that was going to bridge earth and bridge heaven and angels were going to flow between and it's the man Christ Jesus. See, I can't, no matter how high I jump, no matter what I try to do, no matter how good I am, I could be like Mother Teresa. I can't get to heaven. I can't reach it. I'm still a sinner and God can't stand sin in his presence. So God sent Jesus to be that ladder that angels could come up and down and we might have access to the heavens. That's what he was telling us through this dream. If we could see it, that's, that's the Jesus revealed part. The first one anyway. So now let me move into some more cliff notes. Jacob leaves, he goes, finds Laban, right? That's his uncle he's meeting for the first time. And, you know, hey, you like herding sheep? Like, you could be one of my shepherds and be, be in charge of all my sheep. This is great. So finally they talk about a wage. And now here's the, the really interesting thing. Laban had two daughters. One was Leah, one was Rachel. Right? It says about these two daughters, 
Um, the name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak. You fill in the blank. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but Leah's eyes were, were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. And you know what? Jacob falls for Rachel. So when they're talking about a wage, Jacob tells Laban, look, I'd like to marry your daughter. Okay, work for seven years. At the end of the seven years, I'll give you my daughter's hand in marriage. All right, wonderful. So he works the seven years. They go into the wedding. Everything's going great. And that night, what does Laban do? He doesn't bring Rachel to, to, uh, to Jacob. He brings Leah instead. They consummate the marriage. The next morning, you see the picture, right? Where, uh, I, I mean, the, the, uh, sorry, I, I mentioned the two girls, so it's the picture in the bottom left. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What just happened here? I thought this was Rachel. No, this is Leah. So, so then when, when Jacob goes back to the dad and says, what did you just do? Like, I thought I was, I've been working these seven years for Rachel. Oh, maybe I forgot to tell you. Small detail. Like, we don't marry the younger before we marry the older. Like, you're going to get two. This is a two for deal. You got Leah now. Spend the week with her. And then just work another seven years and you'll get the younger daughter, Rachel. But she's not your wife. For, I, I think, actually, he was able to marry her, but he had to work seven years off. So... I'm like, wow, talk about deception running in the family, huh? First the, the, the mom, to, you know, concocts this whole thing, and now her brother is deceiving. Like, what's going on here? Where's the truth tellers in, in this lineage? But uh, so then we find something amazing. This is, there's another experience that's going to come, but I just want to tell you, Jacob had 12 sons. He had 12 sons, and the 12 sons become the lineage. They're the 12 tribes of Judah. They're, they're what Israel is. It's how God is going to govern. So it's amazing what happens. But before he has the 12 sons, or, or in the middle of him having the 12 sons, there's something that happens. So after he works the seven years for one, the seven years for another, I, I think another f- uh, six more years, he's worked for Laban now 20 years, and he's fed up. So what does Jacob do? He decides he's going to run. He's going to run home. I don't know if home is any better, but like this is a picture. First, he runs from, from where he is and, and gets away from Esau, works for Laban for 20 years, and now he, he leaves like in a hush. He, he doesn't tell Laban. Laban actually chases after him like, where are you going? What have you done? So he leaves without anybody, telling anybody, and he's going to run back to, to, uh, to his home country. So now he's got to face Esau. So as he's on his way home and he's ready to face Esau, he sends some, some people ahead of him to just go tell Esau that he's coming, bring Esau gifts. Maybe he can prep them and, and he won't be so angry with them. And as his servants are bringing gifts to Esau, they find that Esau is coming to meet Jacob and he's got 400 of his armed men with him. Yikes. Like, okay, brother, I guess things haven't cooled in the last 20 years, you know? Um, so Jacob starts to separate his family and his servants and he brings his wives to, to one side and uh, to one side of the river and he goes to the other side of the river and he has a moment. He spends a night with God. And there's a wrestling match. And this is what happens in, in the wrestling match. Um, it says, Jacob was all alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. And when the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob hit, Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. That must have hurt. You think that hurt? I think that hurt, yeah. Then the man said, let me go for dawn is breaking. And Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man said. He replied, Jacob. 
Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him, for from now on you'll be called Israel because you fought with God and with men and have won. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there and he left. So many times I've always learned this story, if you read you know, the storybooks when, you, when you're younger, as Jacob wrestled with God. Well, actually, it wasn't Jacob wrestling with God. It was an angel. Hosea tells it was, it was an angel that came down, and the angel wrestled with Jacob all night long. But it's important to know who initiated the wrestle match, right? It was God that sent the angel to Jacob, right? Jacob could wrestle with himself, but God sends in this angel, and they get into this wrestling match. And I think it's really, really important to understand this for, for what's going to come next. So what's the significance of the wrestle match? Jacob receives a new name. He's called Israel. Israel is the, the nation of Israel. And, and, and that's foretelling, okay, not only does, does Jacob receive a new name, but we all receive in Jesus Christ, all of us receive a new name. We receive a new nature. The Corinthians tells us, behold, all, I've made all things new. For each one of us, God makes something new. He did it for Jacob. And he's going to do it for us too. So that's one cool thing. And then the second cool thing is not only does, does God give Jacob the name Israel, which is going to become the nation of Israel, he uses his sons, his 12 sons from both women, Leah, Rachel, their concubines, like God can use it all. I'd be like, God, couldn't you just take the sons from his wives, not the concubines too? No, God used them all, all 12 of them. And those become the 12 tribes of Israel, which, which then we see in the rest of the Old Testament, that's God's favored nation. Why? Because God chose him. Why does God choose me? I don't know why God chooses you. Why does God choose you? I don't know. But here's the most important thing. God, God is the one who chooses. I don't get to choose. You don't get to choose. Like you could be here today saying, I'm not worthy of God's love. But guess what? God chose to love you anyway, despite who you are. Right? And, and it, we don't get to call the shots to God and say, God, I'm not worthy. No, God says, I loved you while you thought, while you were still a sinner, I loved you and I died for you. And that's how much God wants to be in relationship with us. So how do we make it real? And what's our takeaways from the life of Jacob? You might agree with me or disagree with me. It's okay. But I don't think Jacob was a very good man in the natural Right? He deceived. He lied to people. Right? I, I try not to deceive. I try not to lie. Am I better than Jacob? No. Probably just different though. But God somehow had chosen Jacob not for who he was but for who he was going to become. And I think for a lot of us, like understanding that picture of God that he sees you for who you're going to become, not for who you are today, is just a mind-blowing thing. Right? When I was younger... I remember a time when I got called out of a, of a service. I was 13 years old. And there was a person that, that operated in the prophetic. And they said, young man, come up. God has a word for you. And this woman started to speak things that I had no idea how this was ever going to be. But she's like, today is your Bethel. God has chosen you. You're going to open up the book before many. And I'm thinking, open up the book before many? What are you talking about? It made no sense to me. But she called me out of a crowd of people to speak that word over me. That was my day. That was my calling in God. I didn't know that was going to happen. You know what? I didn't even like to do book reports. I think I got a C on my book report in eighth grade. I was scared to death about getting in front of people. 
but now how, how did I become a pastor? And I feel so comfortable now. Getting, God, how did you know what I was going to become from what I was? But see, God chose me not for who I was, not for my inadequacies. He chose me for what I was going to become. And he does the same with all of us. Where you are today is not where you're going to end up. But you know what? Do you have the faith to believe God's promise is true and that God loves you and that he chose you and that he's got more for you than where you are today? I I don't know all the plans that God has for you, but I know this. Jeremiah tells us what? All the plans I have for you are for good, to give you a future and a hope. You may be thinking right now, I don't have a lot of hope. Well, that's just right now, right? God sees where you're going. The question is this, today is the day if you won't harden your heart, it could be the day of salvation. It could be the day that you receive God's blessing in your life. Now, the angel came to wrestle with Jacob. And I would dare say this. I say this very humbly and, and with some trepidation. Is God wrestling with you and you just don't know it right now? Like maybe it's your stubbornness, maybe it's your fear, maybe it's your anxiety, maybe it's your depression. You're holding on to these things and God just keeps bringing one thing after another. And you're like, God, I can't take it. You know, sometimes we hear this comment, God never gives us more than we're able to bear. That's only in temptation. That's not in life circumstances, right? Sometimes I think God intentionally gives us more we can bear in life because he never designed for us to bear it. (laughs) He designed for us to give it to him. It's not for us to carry it on our shoulders. He's like, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Like, hello, wake up. Why are you trying to carry the things I never designed for you to carry? So consider this for a moment. If you're going through a really tough time, could it be God wrestling with you just to like, hello, McFly? You need to let go. You need to surrender to God. That's what Jacob did. Jacob spent his life running. He ran from Esau. He ran from Laban. He didn't run from the angel. He said, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Jacob finally recognized it's in surrender that God moves in our lives. And I want to give us all an invitation as we close the message, right? What is it that you're challenged with? What is it that you're dealing with? Could you surrender it to the Lord today? And you, you may be like, Greg, I would love to do that. I don't really know how. I'll tell you how. It starts by just kneeling, and praying and saying, God, I got this, I got this, I got this. And meanwhile, I got this and I got this and I got that. And meanwhile, and and you take it all and you lay it at his feet and you say, God, help me. Right? Those are some of the simplest heartfelt prayers that God comes to answer. And you know what? It might not all change in a day, but one step, another step, many steps in the right direction are going to lead you to where God has for you. Right? But let today be a day. Let today be the day of salvation where you say, God, I, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to surrender who I am. That's the message that Jacob gives us. What happens when you surrender? Right? God takes you to your future. God takes you to your destiny. He takes you to his plan. What prevents that? Our hardness of heart. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer today? So with every head bowed and eye closed, if, if you're sensing as I'm talking today that, oh my gosh, like this is talking to me, I need to surrender some things to God. Would you just raise your hand, not as a sign to me, but as a sign to God, like God, I'm surrendering things to you. All right, keep them up as we pray. So Father God, you see our hands, Lord. You, you see that we want to come to a point today of surrender and humbleness to you. God, we don't want to wrestle with you. Oh my gosh, 
But Lord, it, it has been our hardness of heart that we've been stubborn. Lord, we're holding on to fear, anxiety, so many things, God. It, it's not our portion. It's not what you've designed us to carry. Lord, it's overwhelming to try to, to live life without you. So God, we take all of these things, we give them to you, God. Lord, and I thank you that your word tells us clearly, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And then the peace of God, which passes understanding, will come. So, Lord, we give you everything this morning. We give you, give you all the junk, all the fights, all the struggles, everything that's overwhelming us. We, we lay it at your feet. And, God, we receive your burden today, which is easy, your yoke, which is light. Father, we know that that when we're yoked, we've got to walk in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Wherever he goes, we go. We can't go our own way, Lord. So we surrender our hard attitude of stubbornness, and it's got to be our way or the highway. Lord, we surrender that to you. God, we want to be yoked with your spirit this morning. So, Lord Jesus, I pray for something supernatural to happen to each hand that's raised, God. Lord, let the burdens come off of them as they give them to you. Lord, let their hearts be flooded with the peace and the grace of Almighty God. Lord, that today we can walk out, Lord, knowing that it's been our Bethel. It's been our day of salvation. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want prayer for anything, please come forward and pray. God bless you for those of you that are online as well. Take care.